We're two hours away from the kickoff of BYU football. Ball settles in a clean pocket, and it is cut by Keanu. 20, 15, 10, 5, on his feet, touchdown! What a play! This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Let's get you ready for BYU football. Here's Ben Bagley. Good afternoon, BYU fans, and welcome into Cougar Pregame Live, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Tonight, the BYU Cougars face the SMU Mustangs in the New Mexico Bowl. It is bowl season. It's the final game of the regular, well, final game of the season, period. Not regular season, the final game of this season. And it's also the final game of the Independence Era for BYU. So let's get busy and let's have some fun as we get ready for some bowl season for BYU. My name is Ben Bagley and thank you for joining us for BYU football. Joining me in Albuquerque, New Mexico is former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson. Riley, Welcome to bowl season. Merry Christmas. Yeah, and uh, it's good to be back. I was here with the team in 2010. I was on a medical red shirt. I had had to have uh, season-ending surgery, but I, uh, it, it's always good to come to a familiar face. And, of course, BYU fans, which I can see from my view in the press box, are coming out in uh, quite impressive numbers for the uh, early tailgate. I can see uh, that outside the stadium. Uh, obviously very familiar here is New Mexico is a former, or, or at least the visits to Albuquerque, Albuquerque to play U.S. M in the former Wack and Mountain West days, but uh, looking forward to the matchup today between BYU and SMU and uh, see what the Cougars can cobble together, kind of, with uh, a lot of disruption that's happened since their last game in Stanford about three weeks ago. Well, well let's dive into the disruption because that's going to start us off with our uh, our headlines before the Cougars and the Mustangs face. Let's get to our game headlines and it starts out with just what you're talking about, the disruption right now in the BYU program. And before we get to the other part of the disruption, let's just start about who's in it who's out for BYU. No Jaron Hall today, and so he will not be playing for BYU the, for the rest of this season with the injury sustained at Stanford. Uh, still question whether he comes back to BYU next season or not. And reports are, and what we're being told is more than likely, you're going to see multiple quarterbacks for BYU. So, so Riley, as, as BYU goes into this game, possibility of seeing Cade Fennigan, Soljay Maiava, and maybe even Parker Kingston. Three guys possibly taking snaps for BYU. So this reminds me a lot of uh, for my playoff or my baseball fans out there. You've exhausted your rotation in a playoff series, and <laughs> you just you know everybody's going to go out and get an inning, maybe two if they're hot. But you throw everything in the kitchen sink at them and hope that you can confuse the opposing lineup enough uh, to sneak out of there with a win. I think that's the same thing that BYU's taking that same strategy, but applying it to quarterback rather than pitchers. How much concern is there going into this game, regardless of who takes the first snap at quarterback and regardless of how many snaps each of these guys take, each one of them will be taking their first snaps, A, at quarterback for BYU this year and throwing their first passes for BYU this year. Is outside of Jaron Hall, nobody said outside of Jaron Hall at quarterback. There's been other guys who've thrown passes on some tr- trick plays and stuff. But these, these, no other quarterbacks thrown, play, thrown passes but Jaron Hall this year. 
This is what this is what Division One or FBS football is uh, in 2022 and will be going forward. Quarterback is the most by percentage, right? There's not as many quarterbacks out there as there are, so it's not gross number the most transfers, but the quarterback is the most transferred position in college football, and that's because one guy plays and they don't rotate, and so nobody is going to. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but boy, it will be an absolute rare sight to see programs be able to hold on to have a dependable backup. Uh, to to look to when their starter is not available for almost every school or I, the landscape of quarterback is hopefully you've got your guy and if you have your guy then likely anybody that could possibly be the next guy is sitting in the portal or has already left and then the you, the guys that you have backing up the guy are uh unproven and, and guys who you know don't uh have I mean for lack of a better word don't have uh, other options or other suitors and so you uh, you know oftentimes their first exposure to real competition will be on the field like it will be today for these three guys well that's kind of the fun thing about this it's a mystery it's like you, you go to the store and you get that mystery box you're like okay this could be something really good or it could be something so, great. So to bring it, it in, to something bring mid. in the holiday season, right? I got my three little kids. Advent calendars, right? Every day they open up the <laughs> countdown to Christmas, right? And yeah. every day it's a different, it's a different surprise. So yeah, it's the quarterback holiday advent calendar here for the BYU Cougars. Uh, I was gonna go. I was gonna differ on. I was gonna go. Uh, it's Aunt Jenny coming over with a present for you. And you don't know whether it's some uh, yeah. a bad knitted sweater, or if it's a nice little gift card to someplace. So, yeah. I, I, but but that's what's interesting. That's what's going to be fun. And I think that's the way the coaching staff is looking at this. Is look, we know we're coming in underhanded at quarterback with inexperience, but this is an opportunity for us. With each one of these guys going to be on the roster at this point next year. Let's see what we've got going into next year, not knowing what we're going to pick up or what's going to happen in the transfer portal. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, look, you still got to play, and t- recruits are going to be watching this, and it's going to – I've said this a lot since, uh, you know, BYU ended their four-game skid and kind of like what is there left to play for. I'm telling you, 8-5 and five just feels so much different than 7-6. and 7-6 six. and six is you barely cleared the bar. 8-5, and five, at least you kind of put some distance between you and the bar that is, you know, being a 500 football team. So I, I, I hope that – I mean, they, they need to be creative. We'll see – you know, I, I talked about in the – uh, pitching example, throwing everything in the kitchen sink. Yeah, but also the players that are remaining and the guys who have been consistent there, I hope the message from them is we still have to play football. We still have to execute. We still have to go out and do what we do. And hopefully the creativity can be secondary. If if you overreact to the dynamics of what your roster looks like and the inexperience that you have at key positions, if you overreact like, and this game gets ugly in a hurry, it can really set a you know, a negative to a depressed tone heading into uh, the off season and, and recruiting. Well, you, we mentioned the quarterback position. If that was not just enough, there's more news out there. Puka Nakua, doubtful for the game today, uh, still, still nursing an injury, trying to get back. And he's also in a situation where he's declared for the senior bowl in the NFL draft as well. you got the, tra- the transfers uh, out there. You've got uh, Campbell Barrington leaving and going to Baylor. You've got uh, Keenan Peely and others that left the program. Uh, no Lapini Katoa tonight. So a BYU kind of... A, Coming into this game, and granted, this is college football. You, no one's ever going to go into a bowl game with the full slate of talent they had in game one. But BYU really coming into this game really with one arm tied behind their back. Yeah, but uh, 
That's true, but at the same time, they should have enough to be able to produce a win. I look at all three running backs. Well, the three running backs that have had 100-yard rushing games this point in the season are back. So, right, that's Miles Davis, yep. that's uh, Hinkley Rapati, and that's Chris Davis. You mentioned Campbell Barrington, but outside of that, you've got your full complement of offensive linemen. So you should be able to you know, set the stage up front. Keanu Hill has had some monster games for BYU this season. you still got... Isaac Rex out there suiting up for you. On the defensive end, you still, you know, for the most part, have your defensive backfield. So you shouldn't be giving up, you know, big plays right and left. You've got your corner, you know, your Jacob Robinsons, your Gabe Judy Lallies, your D'Angelo, you know, your, your um, uh, oh, shoot, I was going to say Cody Epps. He's the, uh, no, who's the uh, other corner? Sorry. Should, anyway, but you've got your guys, uh, Caleb Hayes. There you go. Yes. Sorry. Sorry, Caleb. Forgot your name there for a second. But uh, no, I, th- those dudes have made plays and they've been and they've made impactful plays throughout the rest of the season. And there's enough of them to me to where and you've still got your head coach. You've got Kalani Sataki. You know, I was watching uh, Louisville earlier today and they had th- their entire staff after they let their entire staff go. They had literally it was the like director of of uh, academics was out there with a headset on uh, you know the guy who makes sure guys are eligible and going to class like he was out there on the sideline uh, giving signals so well um you know they're They've had some of their regulars drop. The cupboard is not absolutely bare for BYU, and I hope they come ready to play because SMU is going to pose a really stiff challenge. Well, BYU is not the only team that comes into their, this game shorthanded. SMU is going to be without Rasheed Rice, who is the nation's leading wide receiver. This guy's an amazing talent. He'll be playing in the NFL next season. He, he's been playing most of the season with a broken toe, uh, I believe since October, uh, and has decided to kind of, hey, let's not play the bowl game, let's get help. Let's get ready for the Senior Bowl in the NFL Draft. Also, without their best offense, most experienced offensive lineman in Jalen Thomas. So, SMU also coming into this this game a little banged up. You mentioned another part of this: the uh, who's in, who's out. You look at the diminished coaching staff with the changes on the BYU staff. Uh, on the defensive end, you got Kalani and you got Gennaro uh, Guilford as the two kind of. Uh, Guys that were here at the end of the season are going to be here in the bowl game, but those guys have been out recruiting. Kalani's talked about how him and Gennaro have been out on the recruiting trail. And so Jan Jorgensen, a defensive analyst, analysis and uh, analyst, excuse me, wow, talking's hard. Gavin Fowler, a GA, have been really kind of running defensive practices and getting the game plan ready for the bowl game. I mentioned that let's focus on what they do have. And even though, like, you know, perhaps Jaron's been out or Puka's been out or you got some of these other guys, like I look at the, you know, Max Tooley's out, Peyton Wilgo's out, but they're all still in the program. Like, those guys should be able to step in and and coach, like coach up and run through drills and and help check, make sure guys' techniques and help with installs and things like that. We talk so much and we hear Kalani talk so much about the leadership on this team and the maturity and the experience. Well, if you can't be on the team, don't, you know, you can still make yourself of use, especially when coach are out doing their jobs and so I, I would hope that that was very active now I didn't get the I didn't get the chance to be there and observe practice and see how they were managing it but had that been me in my situation and in a, a way it was I was nursing a rib injury after a back injury and I uh, you know was not slated to play in I ended up getting in for a couple of series, but I was not slated to play in my senior bowl game. But I was still active in the helping develop the play, the game plan and prepare James Lark and uh, you know do, do all that other stuff. You still you know you still gotta go <laughs> put on your hard hat and go to a day's work, even if it means you're not out there uh, taking snaps. So hopefully that's what happened. And the preparation for this team, while it was different, will not be too lacking because others stepped up to the occasion. 
Uh, and I'll tell you what, in, in looking at that, I mean, initially the response is, oh, no, what's going to happen with that? Think about it this way. Jan Jorgensen's a, a former defensive coordinator uh, in college. It's, it's no college. He's a former high school head coach, so he's got some coaching experience. He's got some good defensive knowledge. And Gavin Fowler is a young up-and-coming coach on the scene who has complete trust of Kalani Satake and his staff. Uh, they, they really like Gavin, and Gavin's doing a great job there as a, a, a GA at BYU. Yeah, and I mean, you just got to manage expectations. This defense wasn't, uh, you know, it hasn't looked pretty all season. And I don't think between the Stanford game and this game, uh, you know, they're going to be able to make drastic schematic and personnel changes. So I don't I don't think the path for victory for BYU to me is, you know, a 31-28 or a 35-38. You know, this game's going to, I think it's going to score a lot of points. SMU also has a defense that struggles mightily. So uh, the defense doesn't need to be excellent. They don't need to. The San Francisco and do what they're doing right now and be as dominant as they are, but need to do enough. And and how they're going to get there is come out and do their jobs and play with passion and play with energy and effort. And uh, if you do that, you'll stay in the game. And then you hope that uh, if you get late in the fourth quarter, it's enough. And then uh, at that point, all right, we'll talk more about that matchup and how it's going to work because it's kind of, there's another interesting facet of that that's really, really kind of nice of what where the strengths and weaknesses match up for the BYU defense and the SMU offense. That'll come up a little bit later in the pregame show. Coming up next, uh, we'll to learn more about this SMU team as we talk to the voice of the Mustangs, Rich Phillips. That's coming up next. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Ben Bagley. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Earlier this week, I got a chance to sit down with the voice of the SMU Mustangs, Rich Phillips. I began the conversation with Rich talking about the history of the BYU SMU series with the Miracle Bowl as Cougar fans remembered or as SMU fans remembered the Holiday Bowl. As, as I asked Rich that what SMU fans remember about that game, and that's where the conversation began. Unfortunately, it's pretty memorable for SMU fans, too. Uh, the BYU scoring 21 in the last 233, I think it was. Uh, people haven't forgotten it. Uh, I think people forgot about the two meetings when we were both members of the WAC, I guess it was there in the 90s. Uh, I think uh, 1980 kind of sticks in people's minds a little bit more. Does that history help or hurt this bowl game? Um, I don't know. I don't know what a factor it has. I know our coaching staff, our head coach, Rhett Lashley, showed – clips of it to the team this week because obviously the players they got no idea what happened it was 20 years before any of them were born uh i don't know i I know it gets some of our fans on the smu side uh excited about this because we have some fans that have been around since then and they're looking for a little revenge on that one well we'll hear from coach lashley later on in the pregame show and i asked him about that and he actually talked about showing the team that and we joked about it saying that the majority of the people on this team are dealing with this game weren't born at that time but still it's college football history has a role absolutely i mean it's uh the reason it's called the miracle bowl because it was a miracle that they finished it off the way they did 
Well, let's talk a little bit about these two teams uh, coming into this bowl game. The the way that the bowls are now is you're not going to enter into a bowl game with your full complement of players, whether that's through injury, through the transfer portal, through whatever it might be. There's a bunch of different things that are going to take people away from the bowl game. And SMU coming in without their leading receiver, the nation's leading receiver, not SMU's leading receiver, Rasheed Rice. What kind of an absence is that going to be for SMU? Certainly big. Just first, his production, almost uh, 100 catches this year. He had over 1,300 yards. It was a school record for yards. So, A, you lose all that production. B, that's the guy also that was drawing two defenders almost every single play, and they still threw at him with two defenders on him. It didn't matter. Uh, That's where they're going to have to really make up the difference is the fact that everybody else is going to be covered a little bit more, I think, going into Saturday night. So uh, a huge loss in a couple of different ways. Obviously, you know, Rasheed played with a, a broken toe since September. I mean, the best remedy for him, they say, is about six weeks of rest. He needs that to get ready for the senior bowl coming up next month. So he's probably doing the right thing for him. How does it change the offense outside of just him pulling defenders and probably bracket coverage and stuff like that? Is it going to drastically change the SMU offense? I don't think so. I think they're still going to go with the same plan of attack, and that's to throw it a bunch. Uh, They have struggled at times running the ball. They've gotten better in the last four or five weeks since they've turned to a fullback. Tyler Levine is the primary runner and wound up leading them in rushing and in touchdowns. But I think they're still going to depend a lot on Tanner Mordecai uh, throwing the football. Jordan Curley will probably be one of his primary targets, a guy who's come on at receiver in the last half of the season. And he has a freshman tight end, R.J. Maryland, who's uh, among the nation's leader in uh, touchdown receptions. He's top 10 in touchdown receptions for tight ends. So I think those will be two of his primary targets this week. Tell us a little bit about Tanner Mordecai. It seems like he's a guy who's kind of on the up and come right now in college football as a young quarterback. Yeah, you know, he kind of sat out and bided his time for a while at Oklahoma and saw the writing on the wall that he wasn't going to get a chance there. He was actually behind Spencer Rattler a couple of years ago when he decided to transfer and has been a walk-in starter at SMU. He's missed one game. It was because of a concussion uh, about a month and a half ago. He missed the Tulsa game, which SMU still went out and won. Uh, but he's been fantastic. He set the school record for single-season touchdown passes last year, and with two more in this game tonight, he'll set the career-passing touchdown record and do it in just two seasons here at SMU. So he's had uh, quite a run here over these two years. The SMU offense, obviously one of the highest-scoring offenses in the nation, uh, is that something you expect to see continue in the bowl game? you expect this – let's change that question a little bit. Do you think the SMU wants this to be a high-scoring game? Yes. <laughs> That's the only thing Rhett Lashley is there for. <laughs> yes, it's to score <laughs> a lot of – they're fine if it's high-scoring one way, but absolutely, the number one thing is he's looking to score, and they uh, they don't give up possessions. They press as much as they can. Yes, if it's a high-scoring affair, I think it's just fine with the coach. How's the SMU defense prepared for this game with the question mark over Jaron Hall, whether he was playing or not? Obviously, that's a huge issue, and the SW defense has struggled a lot this year. They're uh, 100 plus in ranking in many uh, key statistical categories, and they've really struggled against the run. And you know, depending on if uh, Finnegan winds up as the starting quarterback here tonight, they may change to where they do look to run the ball. I think if that's the case, SMU might be ready to go more to a traditional four-three instead of their four-two nickel. They've done that. A couple of times against some teams that run the ball more like Navy, who we saw in the regular season. But uh, definitely a huge challenge when the change of quarterback could drastically change the plan of attack for BYU tonight. 
On the defensive side for SMU, who, who are some standout guys that fans watching the game should watch out for tonight? Elijah Chapman at defensive tackle has really come on the last few weeks. He's one of the strongest. Well, he might be the strongest guy we've ever seen here at SMU uh, in the offseason. He did uh, NFL top of the NFL combine top number type numbers with 42 reps at 225 on the bench press. So he's a very strong, uh, good run plugger in the middle there. Uh, on the edge, Nelson Paul has led them uh, in sacks and in tackles for loss. And then Jimmy Phillips is a guy who's one of these Six-year players, uh, due to the COVID bonus year, a lot of guys have gotten. He's the leading tackler. Uh, he's been very active this season. Has really come on the last two years and been a, a key part of the defense. And uh, while their secondary gives up a lot, they've been making big plays of late. Brandon Crossley, the latest, who made an interception that sealed their win against Memphis in the regular season finale. So they do have a few guys that can make some plays back there in the secondary. How much has the defense talked about? I mean, BYU, regardless of who's a quarterback, the one constant throughout the season when he's been on the field has been Puka Nakua and his ability to make plays. Has there been any talk about the way that SMU is looking at kind of maybe containing Puka, whether that's through the the fly sweeps or whether that be through uh, making some catches downfield? Uh, yeah, obviously he's going to be their their key focus for their secondary on him. I, I would look for Crossley, who plays in that nickel role, and Brian Massey, who's uh, one of their safeties. They press up to the line a lot, and certainly on those fly sweeps, I think they'll be looking to try to set an edge. Jimmy Phillips does a lot of that too at linebacker. He'll he'll be a guy that you'll see out on the edge that will try to slow things down like that. For, for BYU fans that aren't familiar with SMU and head coach Rhett Lashley, tell us a little bit about Coach Lashley and how his personality is infused into this team. Well, you know, he was here prior to being named head coach. When Sonny Dykes came here to take the uh, job in 2018, he brought Rhett along as his offensive coordinator and had two. Well, the first year they were okay. The second year was the year they started off 8-0, ended up in the top 25 for the first time since the mid-'80s. And then uh, Rhett got the offensive coordinator's job at Miami, where he was in 20 and in 21. And then, you know, as soon as we caught wind that Sonny was uh, looking at going across town to TCU in a very odd move last November, uh, SMU administration really turned to Rhett Lashley pretty quick. They really liked him when he was here. Uh, he's got a great offensive plan, I think. I mean, he was he was drawing up the offense when he was the offensive coordinator here, and he's doing the same now. Uh, his personality is to go for it. It's to press and uh, to press hard, and he wants to score a lot. I, I don't think he's turning his back on the defense, but obviously offense is his focus, and the players really seem to have gravitated to him right away. About half the roster kind of knew him from before. Uh, you know, the, it's funny. A lot of the defensive starters now – actually knew him pretty well when he was here the first time because they were scout team players back then, so they would work against the number one offense a lot. So he's been a very popular pick to come back here as head coach this year. And we'll wrap with this as we're talking to the uh, play-by-play voice of SMU, Rich Phillips here on Cougar Pregame Live. Let's let's finish with this. Both teams coming into this game at 7-5 and as a bowl game. Um, with, with some programs, you look at bowls, and if it's not the New Year's Six and stuff like that, it's kind of a disappointment. This is kind of a uh, coach Lashley told me that they're, they're actually looking at this as a reward, not necessarily a business trip. They want to go out and have fun, but then also play play well in the game. But both teams come in at seven and five. What does a win do for SMU going forward? What is the goal to get out of this bowl game? 
you know, win first, uh, because frankly, we haven't seen a whole lot of bowl games lately. You know, this is the fourth straight year SMU's been bowl eligible, but they've only played one so yeah. far. COVID took out their Fenway Bowl last year and the Frisco Bowl the year before. And so they haven't played in a whole lot and they haven't won a bowl game since 2012. Uh, in the Hawaii Bowl against Fresno State. So bowl wins haven't happened a lot here for SMU in the last eh, 35, 40 years since the death penalty. So that definitely means a lot. Uh, I think eight wins means a lot, too, because we haven't seen a ton of eight-win seasons. You know, I, I think SMU may see more benefit of this game from that aspect than BYU does going into tonight. Well, Rich, thanks a lot. Look forward to an exciting game. I think everybody would be, be a treat if it's a high-scoring game both ways. An exciting call for you and uh, Greg and everyone else. All right. Thanks a lot, Ben. Our thanks to Rich Phillips, the SMU play-by-play voice, for joining us and giving us a rundown on what we're looking at with SMU tonight. Up next, we'll do Cougar Cuts, and we'll introduce you to the newest coach on the BYU coaching staff, Jay Hill, the new defensive coordinator and assistant head coach. You're listening to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Ben Bagley. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. It's, it's time for Cougar Cuts, but before we get to Cougar Cuts, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification along the new skin, BYU Sports, Sports Network. BYU Radio, 107.9 FM, KUMT, Randolph, KBYU FM, HD2, Provo, and Sirius XM Channel 143. A special edition of Cougar Cuts today on Cougar Pregame Live as we introduce you to the former Weber State head coach, Jay Hill, who is now BYU's new defense coordinator and associate head coach. The former Utah player and coach talks about his opportunity and how wearing blue isn't that big of a stretch right now. I am super, super excited to be here at BYU. It's kind of weird to come back. Kalani mentioned I grew up in Lehigh. Uh, my parents went to BYU. I grew up a BYU fan. I remember as, as a child going to football games in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I remember going to basketball games regularly. Uh, I remember having posters of uh, BYU players in my room hanging up. So uh, it, it's kind of weird how life brings you full circle. Football in the state of Utah is something that's always been super exciting to me, haven't played at Utah, coach now at Weber State. Uh, it's always been my passion. It's something I'm excited about. I know this is a place where we can play high-level football. They've done it consistently through Kalani's career. That was something very intriguing to me. I'm excited to just see what this can become because uh, I think the sky's the limit. Riley, the hire of Jay Hill applauded uh, uh, almost nationwide as far as a great hire for BYU. Your thoughts as Jay Hill takes over the defense and, uh, and the associate head coach duties for BYU? I'm as excited as anybody, but I'll just caution BYU fans out there: like, take time, like, give him time. It's gonna. He comes in at a time that's uh, the biggest transition in program and BYU athletics history, going from independence into the Big Twelve. And it doesn't matter how good of a schemer he is. It doesn't matter how good of a recruiter he is. Bottom line is, it's going to take uh, time and seasons, and you know, iterate. And and the, hey, this got made, you know, almost popular, made fun of, kind of with the Philadelphia seventy six. But it's a process, right? That's game Trust by game, week process. by week. Yep. Yeah, game by game, week by week, practice by practice. And if there's, uh, you know, a- any two guys that I could maybe handpick to lead this BYU football program through that process, it would be a, the combination of Kalani Satake and Jay Hill. And one of the reasons, la- last comment is 
one of my favorite things is I think they have such complementary skill sets and personalities and approaches to the game that uh, that that complementary style will pay major dividends for BYU over the next you know five years and beyond. Yeah, I covered both of them when they were up on uh, or up on the Kyle Whittingham staff at the University of Utah, and both of them, you're right, they complement each other really well. And Jay is a he's a motivator of men. I mean, he pushes he pushes his players hard, but he has the respect of his players. So I'm excited to see what he's doing. And, and you always talk about trust the process, but part of that process, and it doesn't count for anything. But you always talk about winning the press conference. I'll tell you what, as far as what Coach Hill wants his defense to look like, he won the press conference just by what he said when he says it's all about making adjustments and being aggressive. I've never been a guy that sits back and wants to bleed a slow death. That is not me. Um, I refuse to do that. I will blitz. I will put every guy at the line of scrimmage rather than just sit there and let people pound us. So th- that's not my philosophy. Now, you've got to have the right guys to do that. But uh, that's where the attacking comes in is we will try to get them in second, third, and long situations. Put them in uh, situations where they've got to throw the ball on third and long, and then that's usually when people make a lot of mistakes. Uh, we try to confuse quarterbacks with our coverage, blitzes, the different things that they have to see. You know, some quarterbacks don't mind playing against drop eight, and some quarterbacks hate being blitzed, and others don't mind being blitzed, but they hate throwing into coverage. And you have to do a good job of going in and assessing who you're playing. And if you don't have the ability to be multiple and all those things that you just mentioned, then I think it gets hard to be elite. Just the fact that Jay Hill's talking about it running an aggressive, uh, a confusing, uh, not wanting to bleed a slow death. I think BYU fans all over listening to that was just like, yes! Yeah, and keep in mind, I see, what I, I didn't hear that. What I heard is, we are going to scout our opponent better than, you know, to the best of our ability, better than we ever have before, and we're going to bring the scheme out that is going to be most effective against that opponent. Uh, so that that was actually the part that stuck out to me. Is It's like, what what is the quarterback like? What's, what's most effective against the scheme that they run? And that that's what I hope for. I, I You know, I just don't believe that in today's college football you can kind of Look, it was it was a great run that John Wooden had at UCLA, right? And and it was made famous that he never watched the film of the opponent. It was all about what we do. And if we go out and well, yeah, when you've got such a recruiting advantage and talent that you can kind of gap your competition, well, that's not the way of the world, and that's not the way it's going to be in the Big Twelve. Uh, so you need to be able to um, have the type of players that can be smart and diligent in their preparation, athletic enough to execute on various schemes, and ultimately you want to do what's going to frustrate the opposing offense the most. Most. And, and he said some, that may be drop eight, that may be blitz, it may be some combination of both. And, uh, boy, we, we it's going to be a long time before we get to see him in action, you know, at least another nine months. But uh, uh, I, it'll be great to get some tastes along in spring and fall camp and then see what uh, the transformation he can help this defense go through. It's a busy time right now in BYU athletics, Riley. Right now, uh, up in Spokane, the BYU women currently tied with uh, top-ranked Gonzaga women's team opening up WCC play 34-34 that game in the third quarter. BYU and Utah men's basketball just about to tip off as well, and we're getting ready for a bowl game. So if you're bored as a BYU fan, that's a U problem, not a BYU problem. So we'll keep you up to date on all the scores going on as we go throughout Cougar pregame live, and I'm sure Greg and Riley will have updates throughout the, the game as 
as well on the basketball game. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk. Jason Shepard sits down with defensive lineman John Nelson. More Cougar pregame live after this on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Defensive lineman John Nelson has come into his own this year on the BYU defense. He has 17 tackles, four tackles for loss, and two sacks, and he'll be a key today for the BYU Cougars against a potent SMU offense. He sat down earlier this week with Jason Shepard. Here's Shep Talk with Jason Shepard. All right, John, what have the last few weeks been since the regular season came to an end? Uh, it's been a lot of just going over the the basics of our technique and stuff since we didn't know who we were going to play for a little bit. So we kind of were just uh, twiddling our thumbs for you know <laughs> a week or two. So it was all right. It was good. We needed some rest, but excited to get back. How would you describe this season from, from your perspective for you personally, but then from a team perspective, how would you describe it? Just being my own biggest critic. I mean, I you know you always think you can play better and uh, I definitely had some opportunities to make some plays that I didn't. And then, you know, I had some opportunities to make plays and I did. So for me, this season has gone, you know, it could always go better, but I'm not disappointed in it. I don't think that I've like, I don't have any, you know, resent towards it, but, uh, as a team, I think that, you know, we definitely let some games get away from us and we're definitely, we're definitely a better team than our record, but I'm excited to get one more game, show the rest of the country that we're a good team and that I'm a good player. What are your thoughts on this SMU team? I mean, offensively, I mean, the word that just keeps coming to mind is explosive. And I know they're going to be down one of their big receivers, their best receiver, but they've still got a lot of uh, of weapons on the offensive side. What do you make of this Mustang team? Yeah, they're a good team. They they obviously know what they're doing offensively, and it's going to be a challenge for us. But I feel like we've played, you know, a whole different variety of teams this whole season. So I think that, you know, we face explosive offenses in Arkansas, and I think that it'll be a good challenge for us and uh, we don't take them lightly, but it's definitely not new territory for us. Not only are you guys getting ready for a bowl game, but you've had a a lot of things changing around you. You've got a new defensive coordinator in there. What are your thoughts on, on Jay Hill coming in? Uh, Yeah, he's a really good coach. I mean, you look at what he's done with Weber, you know, he was coached there for nine years and he's been to seven playoffs. Well, six playoffs out of the last seven years. They're a really good team. They, they play Utah state at Utah state this year and being 28 to seven. I mean, Utah state scored 20 points on us. So that should say something about, you know, their defense. And, uh, he recruited me in high school. He's a real, real good coach. and He knows how to get guys to be committed and knows how to run a defense. Having had the experience of being recruited by him before, you obviously have familiarity that way. What type of conversations have you had? Has he had a chance to go individually and talk with everybody or is it more just addressing the team, the defensive side? How has that been? It's been a little interesting because he hasn't, he, obviously he's running around trying to get to know people, trying to get things figured out as far as, you know, uh, the other coaching and he, he coaches the safeties right now. So he He's, uh, he's been coaching them and he addresses the defense sometimes. So I haven't really talked to him for in depth about anything, but uh, we've talked a little bit, but nothing more than a couple minutes. Realizing that the majority of the influence is going to take place in spring ball and next year, but even just having him around now, does that inject some, some new life and some energy? And I've got to assume it does. Yeah. So all of our coaches are, are gone. So you kind of have to start, start fresh. And uh, we've been practicing really hard since um, he's been announced, uh, especially on defense. So 
it's just kind of what uh, having a new coordinator is like, but also it's kind of his coaching style where he just demands more out of the defense than what Parisa was demanded. So it's been good. It's, it's kind of knocked us back on track to what we should practice like and, you know, kind of what our mentality should be going into into games and, and practice. You know, you said something that reminded me, look, I mean, you guys have to prepare for a game regardless of who's going to be there, who's not going to be. Obviously, every team goes through injuries and guys may opt out or they may not be available due to injury. You have obviously guys that are entering the portal. How difficult has that been in terms of preparing for a game when you may or may not have certain guys around? How much more degree of difficulty does that add to the prep right now? Uh, yeah, it definitely makes it more difficult. Uh, I mean, we had some offensive players say that they're not going to play and that's that doesn't really affect me personally on defense. I mean, I know Keenan hit the portal and he wasn't going to play anyway. So as far as right now, at least my own personal world of what I'm what we're dealing with on defense, but it hasn't really changed. But it definitely makes us think, you know, we got to have more more effort on defense because uh, people might not be playing. So it just kind of makes us take it more serious. You know what I mean? This is a game that obviously you guys want to win. You want to win every game. With this being the last game before you head into the offseason, does does it make it a little bit more like we want We want to make sure we end the season on a high note? Do, do you guys take it that way? Yeah, for sure. We we definitely uh, aren't taking you know SMU lightly. They're a good team. They've proven that they can put up a lot of points and beat some good teams. We we let a few get away from us, like I said earlier, and we think that this is our if we can end this year on this game uh, the way we want to end it, that would be the best case scenario. But we're all really motivated to do that. So, all right, John. Let's end with the final four questions here. What is your favorite class at BYU? Favorite class at BYU. Uh, probably sports performance psychology with Tom Golightly. Shout out to Tom. There you go. Very nice. Okay. Now this is in general, which is better, the book or the movie? I like movies because you can see it going on. And you're Uh, done in two hours versus having to read a book that could take you days. Yeah, I know. I I think it's always better to see something than to like imagine my personal opinion. Okay. What's the first thing you would buy if you inherited a million dollars today? First thing I would buy, I'd buy a Ford Raptor. Oh, very specific. Why that specific yeah. vehicle? Because I just, I've always wanted a truck and Ford Raptors are really cool. <laughs> I'm a Ford guy. So, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Last question. And you're the last person that I get to ask this question to for the season. And so you're kind of wrapping it up. So no pressure at all. Okay. All right. As we get to the end of the independence era, what will you remember most about that era? I've only been in it for two years. So let me think. I'm probably going to miss the most the rivalry between Boise State and Utah State. Uh, that was always big. But, well, and for for those that don't know, you have a history, a family history with Boise State. You've uh, got a lot of family that that have played there, so that probably is a really big deal for you and your family. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good to beat those guys at Boise, but uh, hopefully, I mean, I I want to I want to keep playing them, but I mean, it may not be in the cards, but I'll miss those battles between Boise State and BYU and the and the Hail Marys and the seven to six games and the Puka Nakua toe drag and all, <laughs> all those great memories. So I'll miss that. And I'll miss going to the East coast. So I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for, for taking a few minutes. Good luck in the bowl game. Enjoy Albuquerque and come home with the dub. Appreciate it. Thanks. We'll do. 
All right, there's John Nelson with Jason Shepard on Shep Talk. Uh, Greg Rebell will join us coming up in here in just a moment, but he did tweet out that in his interview with uh, Kalani Satake, which you'll hear later on in Cougar Pregame Live, the, the coach did say Soljay Maiava-Peters will be the starting quarterback for BYU tonight. We'll talk more about that with Riley. Plus, we'll take a look back to one final time to a game of independence, and this was a good one. It is a bowl game. That's coming up next. You're tuned in to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live, presented by Mountain America Credit Union, and we look back to the best wins of independence. Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson here with you, and this one's a special one. We look back to the 2012 Poinsettia Bowl, BYU versus San Diego State, and BYU gets the win. Just look back, December 20th, 2012, Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego, California. Always remember this as, and most BYU fans do, it's the KVN game, a game where the offense struggled. Kyle Vanoy was a beast. San Diego State scored the first six points of the ball game, but would be held scoreless the rest of the way by BYU's defense, which was ranked third in the nation in total defense at the time. Kyle Vanoy finished the game with two TDs on defense, not one, two uh, in the fourth quarter, including a pick six and a forced fumble that he recovered in the end zone for a TD. The win was also the final game of the for Ziggy Ansah as a BYU Cougar. He would be the fifth overall selection in the NFL draft following in the following year by the Detroit Lions. Here's ESPN with the play-by-play as we look back to the Poinsettia Bowl. The former conference mates, San Diego State and BYU, gather again in the San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. Aztecs block them up, but the short pass is intercepted by Ezekiel Ziggy Ansah. San Diego State for the third straight possession. Starts inside their own five. Dingwell hit as he throws. Loose football. Recovered for a touchdown by Kyle Van Noy. BYU leads. This is Williams for the first offensive touchdown of the game. And the Cougars have flipped the script in the fourth quarter. Van Noy and Ansa. Now Van Noy drops in coverage. Dingwell. Pressured, has to heave it out of the end zone, into the hands of Kyle Van Noy. Touchdown! Dingwell's pass is intercepted. A dominant performance by Kyle Van Noy and the BYU defense, and they win it 23-6 tonight in San Diego. There it is, the Kyle Van Noy game. BYU's win over San Diego State in the Poinsettia Bowl in 2012. I, Riley, in that game, the legend of Kyle Vanoy wasn't wasn't born; it was solidified. Yeah, I mean, it had already started uh, earlier that season against Ole Miss when you know he kind of on a smaller scale he did similar thing, but uh, that was fitting. You know that obviously that was my my final bowl game, and so I remember a lot about it and coming into it. San Diego State was also a top twenty defense, and they were the best defense coming out of the Mountain West, and it was a home game for them. We were playing in their home stadium, even though it was a bowl game, and so it was looking to be a defensive matchup um, uh, going into that game. But you never expected you know to get the production that you got out of the B. 
BYU defense, and especially Kyle Van Noy. But Kyle and Ziggy, you know, uh, you mentioned Ziggy, and not to be forgotten, really we felt like we'd have a lot of success lining those two dudes up on the same side. So we lined them up in the boundary, and Ziggy attracted a lot of attention, or Kyle did, and so they kind of traded back and forth having plays. And then just a lot of other great players. Danny Sorensen was on that team. Warner Kavanga, Brandon Ogletree anchored anchored the middle. Uh, it was fitting that uh, to cap off that 2012 season that, uh, in my opinion, the best defense in, in BYU uh, program history was that 2012 defense, and it was only fitting that uh, they were the ones to come through and produce a win uh, in the bowl game uh, of their final game together as a defense. Well, and here's to one last win in Independence tonight against SMU in the New Mexico Bowl. Riley, before we're going to talk to Gregor Bell in here in just a second, we'll go we'll go deep into it here in a second with Greg. But just real quick, your reaction, Greg tweeted out a few minutes ago, and we'll hear it in the interview coming up a little bit later with Kalani Sataki. Soljay Mayava getting the start for BYU today. Yep, super curious to see what they uh, what they have in store for the, their game plan. I think Soljay's been in the program a long time. He's been patiently waiting. I know he's taken a couple of snacks. I believe uh, snaps. I believe all of them have been kneel downs at the end of games. But uh, he's a kid who I know has been anxious to prove what he can got. And he, he's credit him. He's stuck around at BYU uh, for multiple years without getting uh, any reps or, or really any recognition of climbing up the depth chart. And so I'm excited for him to get his opportunity, see what he has in store. All right, we'll get more on, on the, him starting and the other guys that are in and out, including Puka Nakua, coming up in just a second as we visit with the voice Greg Rubel. Cougar pregame live continues next on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back. It is Cougar Pregame Live presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Gregor Bell join us in just one second. I mentioned it's a busy day in BYU sports right now starting the fourth quarter. BYU trails 23rd rank Gonzaga 50-47, to but a really tight game on the road to open up WCC play right now for BYU. Let's hope the ladies can pull it out coming down the stretch. And in the first half with 13-10 left, BYU's got a 10-9 lead on Utah at the Marriott Center. Fusini Trey, six points in that or 10 points in that game so all of BYU's points scored by Foose we're joined now by the voice of the Cougars Greg Rebel. Greg lots of news out there so we've already talked about Soljay Mayava taking over the starting position but there's a lot more out there why don't you just set us up and let us know what's the latest yeah, so uh, Soljay Mayava will start uh, with Cade Finnegan and Nick Billups, uh, Coach Kalani Sitake, saying both being available. And uh, I, I'd be surprised if we don't see multiple QBs in this game. But he didn't want to put a prediction on playing Cade as he wants to see how the game goes with uh, with Soljay. And you could argue Soljay's the more mobile of the two uh, just by nature and also by the fact that uh, Cade is shaking off a recent injury. And so uh, Soljay probably gives you the best chance to do more things at that spot. But either way... He will be uh, throwing his first collegiate pass. And if he has a rush attempt, making his first collegiate rush attempt in this game. So there's zero experience at starting quarterback for BYU today. And you 
you uh, compare that with uh, Tanner Mordecai, who could not have more experience for SMU at the other end, as he's on the verge of some career records today for the Mustangs, and, and Soljay's at the complete opposite end of that spectrum. So, uh, no Jaron Hall at quarterback, uh, no Harris Lachance, uh, starting right guard for BYU for most of the year, will not play today. Uh, he, had a, he had a procedure. Uh, Lopini Katoa remains out. Uh, Puka Nakua, the other big story, uh, Aben Puka is not out there for warm-ups. And uh, in Coach's words, it looks like a no-go for Puka. And I think Puka, again, the things Puka was saying at the end of the regular season was, you know, if there's a game on the schedule, then I plan to play in it. But some things have changed uh, between then and now uh, with his NFL future and a senior bowl appearance uh, in the offing uh, and and maybe not being at a complete 100% good health, uh, Ben. Uh, Puka Nakua looks to be sitting this one out as well. That goes for Mason Wake, too. He's also a little banged up. So uh, there are some, you know, pretty important pieces of this offense not playing today. And and you never want a, a bowl game to look like a spring game. But in a, lot of, in a lot of ways, there's a spring game feel at, at some really key spots for BYU today. And again, it's not as adverse on the SMU side. But we will note that uh, with no Rasheed Rice and no Dylan Goffney, those are two of the top four receiving options for SMU. They will not play today. Their starting right guard will not play today either. So a little bit of evening up of things that way. Uh, defensively, Ben, uh, of course, the big news, Keenan Peely uh, going into the portal since the end of the regular season. So what was projected to be the starting linebacker core for BYU with uh, Wilgar and Thule and Peely, none will play in the bowl game. Uh, ben Bywater will be an anchor for BYU. Pepe Tanovasa, uh, Fisher Jackson, Jackson Kafusi, Logan Peely, the two Wilsons, Morgan Piper, they could all play today uh, at linebacker. The defensive line remains pretty deep. Uh, not a lot of absences or new ones on the D-line. At corner, Caleb Hayes and Gabe Judy Lally kind of locking it down, Ben. Uh, D'Angelo Mandel will not play today. So if there are backups to Caleb Hayes and Gabe Judy Lally, look forward to be guys like Chris Jackson and Maury Bamba. Uh, that's the outlook, uh, Ben. Uh, it's not It's not, It's not. not ideal. It is suboptimal uh, take for a, BYU take a breath, offense. Greg. Take a breath. That's too yeah, much. Yeah, lots to cover, unfortunately. And again, <laughs> SMU, it can't overstate um, the loss of Rasheed Rice. This is, this is a massive loss for SMU. Their offense does not look the same without him. He's the number two uh, receiver nationally in yardage. Uh, just a constant playmaker and and he's getting himself ready for the next level as well bit of a toe injury but uh, it's more of a a look to the future for him as well Uh, but the coaching staff remains relatively and remains intact for SMU not the case for BYU Ben right and Riley uh, there are coaching changes and so BYU's dealing with personnel uh, losses on the field on the sideline in the press box a lot of novelty against a team that's used to putting up a lot of points this is a team that scores and scores a lot and BYU doesn't have a history really good history of winning high scoring games of late so uh, just a total open book uh, here in the land of enchantment Ben to see exactly what transpires here this afternoon have the interesting thing is with with all those all those ins and outs and Riley you 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 and I were kind of talking about this in a break is the nice thing is is some of the strengths between the two teams match up nicely where SMU loves to throw the ball yet the secondary seems to be one of the stronger points for the BYU defense and the, and SMU struggles at the run game but the run game is where BYU may be leaning heavily today. 
and and uh, before Riley chimes in on that, Ben, and and SMU really struggles to stop the run, and, and and so I talked about this with Kalani too in the pregame. But if you could kind of you know mimic or or copy over what you did against Stanford uh, and do it again today, you'd take that in a heartbeat because you'd limit the number of possessions, you'd limit Stanford, uh, you'd limit SMU's possession time, and when BYU runs for big numbers, BYU wins games. That's been historically proven, and that would be I think a best case scenario for BYU today. Uh, keep Tanner Mordecai and the offense off the field, limit possessions, and continue to produce on the ground as BYU did uh, at Stanford a few weeks back. If we've had it at all this season, it's probably been a while, but just to confirm with you, Greg, Hinkley Rapati, Chris Brooks, Miles Davis, all good to go? Yep. All back from injury? With uh, Mason Fakahua as the fourth. Uh, no Lopini Katoa today, but uh, three primary backs with Mason as an extra body there. But yeah, they're all good to go, and, and I think Ben and Riley, that would be the plan, right? Ride those guys, see what kind of yards are being made, and then mix it in with some uh, Sol J. Mayava, Peter's mobility, and see what uh, and see what the Cougars can do in terms of moving sticks. And uh, you know, because and one thing SMU's proven the ability to do, guys, is score without needing a lot of clock or needing a lot of possessions. So um, you know, they 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 can do it quickly. Uh, so the best uh, possible case, though, is just to keep them on the sideline as much as possible. And that would be. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. And that, I, you know, far be it for me to predict this, but you know, is it too soon to go late in play clocks in the in a game like today? No. When, when the weather's cold and the quarterback is new, I mean, I, I think you, you try and find every <laughs> possible advantage. Of your staff. Yeah, you try yeah. and find every possible advantage to win a game, guys. And if that means getting late snaps early in the game, you're trying to get a W. Shorten the game, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yep. why would you, why would you want to do that? Well, Greg, uh, thank you so much for the update. Lots to get to. Still just uh, we're about a half hour away from handing this off to you and Riley and getting in ready for kickoff. And, Ben, can I just say, you may, you may have already hit this, but what a gorgeous day it has been here in Albuquerque. Not a cloud in the sky. It, it, is, a, it, it is a beautiful mid-December day in Albuquerque. But even though it's beautiful and the sun's been shining, um, you're, only gonna, you're, you're only around 40, 42 degrees today for a high. And the temperatures are already beginning to drop, and the entire, shadow, and the entire field is in shadow. There's a reason this game was set for a 12:30 kick, because in the Albuquerque sunshine, mid-December could feel okay. Uh, but after sunset... Uh, things get pretty cold pretty quickly. You throw a little evening breeze in, and this could be challenging tonight. So what a gorgeous day it has been. And had this been played in the sunshine, it wouldn't have even felt that cold to a lot of these guys. But now that the sun is down, it's going to be a chilly one. Well, that, that that's a good tease ahead to having Mitch Jurgens on next. Uh, he'll be on the sidelines dealing with the elements. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> thanks, Greg. And thanks, Riley. Hey, coming up next, Mitch Jurgens does join me. He's, uh, he's on the other side. But first, let's pause 10 seconds. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Ben Bagley. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Before we get to Mitch Jurgens, who'll join us here in just a second, want to just update you on some scores going on in BYU sports right now as we have throughout the pregame. Still tight in Spokane. This BYU women trail by one point, 55-54 with 6.19 left in the fourth quarter of that one as BYU faces 23rd-ranked Gonzaga on the road to open up WCC play. And at the Marriott Center, Utah's up to 17-15 on BYU, now 18-15 on BYU as, as the rivalry hoops game's going on right as we speak. 
speak right now as well. But now we bring in the sideline reporter for Mitch, for, for BYU. Mitch Jurgens joins us as we get ready to face SMU. Mitch, Greg just gave us the weather update. I hope you packed the, uh, some long johns. <laughs> I did, I, but I'm afraid it's still not going to be enough. Uh, we, we went to dinner last night, and just walking from the restaurant to the car, the car to the hotel, it's, uh, it, it, it gets to your bones quick. So um, it's going to be cold, hoping, hoping I can stay, stay warm, and, um, but who knows. It's, uh, it's, it, it, regardless, it's going to be a fun one. It's gonna. It is gonna be a fun one. It's gonna be an interesting one, Mitch. We've talked yeah. about it throughout this pregame. We now know for sure. No, Jaron Hall and Sol Jamiotov is gonna take the starting snaps for BYU at quarterback. We now know no Puka Nakua for this team. We now know that there's other pieces missing throughout the throughout the roster for BYU. We know that there's a diminished coaching staff. But all that, while people are, some people might look at that as like, oh no, look at this. We're going into the game with one arm behind their back. I actually said that in the first segment of the. Pre- a pregame that the BYU might be facing this game as kind of one arm behind their back. It's also a great game for exploration for this coaching staff to see what they have going into next year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is um, it's a test, right? And this is this is one of those opportunities. I mean, I, I you know coming from a guy who walked on twice to the BYU team, like this is this is what you dream of, right? Having an opportunity to to show your skill set to to prove you can be a playmaker moving forward. I mean, there's um, I mean the, this new evolvement of what the transfer portal looks like. Um, this could be an opportunity for coaches to kind of reevaluate and say, hey, what are the needs? for next season um, and there could be some guys that step up and, and make a statement um, to, to you know or at least for the coaches to recognize what's needed and what's not heading into the season so um, I mean there's there's a lot to play for in this game uh, especially with with the guys that are going to be on the field today getting first looks the other guys you know you know some veterans that are going to play and um, and so it's uh, we'll see what happens today but it's definitely definitely a stage that a lot of a lot of these players should be licking their chops thinking hey this is this could could be my make or break moment so let's let's make the most of it well i, I want to dive just a little bit deeper into that mitch before we get into some of this other stuff that we talked about um if you're soul jay mayava just kind of that mentality of you're talking about hey this is my opportunity like what what's your what's your mental prep going into a situation like that where you've got nothing on tape nobody knows much about you at all than your teammates that you've run in scout drills and stuff like that with but now national tv primetime game abc bowl game Giddy up, let's go. Yeah, you, you got to just let loose and, and have fun. I mean, I think, you know, Soljay is a guy that's he's been with the program for a long time. So he knows the offense. He knows the coaches. He's he, he understands, um, uh, you know, you hope uh, the concept of how the offense works and how it should be run. So for him, um, you know, a lot of these guys on big stages, you hope the moment isn't too big. And so he needs to focus on, you know, slowing the game down. Just go out there, let loose, um, have fun and, and let your skill set show. Um, and so I think uh, I think he's got to really. Uh, you know, if, if he, he's going to feel the jitters, um, and that's that's given. I mean, even even vets going out on the field um, for a new game, you, you feel a little bit of those game day jitters. And, and for him, it's going to be a little bit more compounded. But uh, with that, if he can slow it down, if he can, you know, continually remind himself, look, I've I've prepared for this uh, every week in practice, and and now it's my time to shine, go out and have fun, and 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 uh, hopefully it's it's you know good news for BYU and good news for him. 
I'm going to put a little ca- candy coating on this next question, so it might sound a little bit absurd, but I'm going to try to ask it in a way that doesn't make me sound like an idiot. Uh, no Puka Nakua tonight. Now, without Jaron Hall in there and a quarterback in, in Sol J and, and Cade and Parker, who I think we're going to see all three tonight at some point during the game, but they don't have a lot of experience throwing the ball. It's nice to have a guy like Puka out there that you can rely on and trust, but you're also not going to... Throw downfield as much. You're going to kind of play a little bit more conservatively on the running game. That being said, is how how much is BYU's offense going to miss Puka Nakua in this game? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're definitely going to miss him, and he's he's clearly the number one playmaker for BYU and has been all season. Um, with that said, though, like you, you go back to last week, and and a huge improvement for BYU in the Stanford game was the ability to run the ball. Um, if they can do that, maybe Puka isn't as needed as he would be, um, assuming they have to rely on the pass attack. Um, and so, if they can do that, if they can move the ball on the ground, then I think that opens up, I and mean, you've, you've got proven talent in the backfield um, that could carry this team and help whoever's in under center um, so it's not as big of a blow. Um, uh, you know, w- what this also could mean, though, is um, either in Puka's absence, somebody has to step up, which we have seen in the past, right? Keanu Hill, uh, Braden Cosper, Chase Roberts, I mean, they've all had flashes of greatness, and so I-, I think for this coaching staff specifically, is instead of keying in on one person, making sure, like, you've got to find a guy to fill Puka's shoes, spread the ball around, get the get the ball to your playmakers, mix it up, and I think... Uh, I mean, BYU's gotten to this point. They've missed some, missed some, or they've they've played some games without Pukunakua before. So this isn't something that's new. What will be new is obviously no Jaron Hall, um, but you've got enough guys around you and, and, and enough experience that hopefully you can rely on that talent to help um, a guy who's getting his first career snaps um, at the collegiate level um, to make that not as as big of an adjustment as it needs to be. Well, and, and you said something interesting there that I want I want to circle back on is. is this offense all season long, the two guys have gotten a lot of the shine is Jaron and Puka. But in a games where they've been needed, whether it's Keanu, you said Braden, uh, Miles Davis, uh, Christopher Brooks, I mean, there, there, there's a long list of players who've come in, stepped up in big-time moments. That's got to help BYU going into this game, knowing that, hey, these two guys, our A, a guys are out, but our B-plus guys are pretty darn good and have proven they've done it before. Oh, yeah, and, and, and they've got the reps. I mean, they're, they're not going out there a first time thinking, hey, how are we going to you know fill the gap? Because they've, they've done it before, and so I, I don't expect anything new here. Um, yes, it's a, it's a blow having those two playmakers not on the field, but BYU has the depth on offense that it shouldn't, it shouldn't be felt as much because you can rely on those guys. One guy you didn't mention, you know, Hinkley Ropati. I mean, the, the yep. list can go on and on. Isaac Rex. Um, you've got quite a bit of talent there, and, and I, I, I don't see too many issues um, with the playmakers. Now, the question is, can the quarterback get them the ball, get them, you know, is the timing right? Are they, are they, is there a good connection, finding windows? Um, things like that, that will be the question that we'll be watching, but uh, they've, got, they've got the weapons around them, and we'll see how, the, how it gets delivered to them. Well, one thing one thing we do know about tonight's game, Mitch, is it'll be a learning experience for all of us. I think I think the the unknown is exciting to me. I, I want to see what BYU can do in a situation like this without some of their A guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, you know, going back to my first comment, this is this I am is the test. super this super. Is, 
this is the uh, you know opportunity the stage for people to shine or not and if they you know are, are looking for spots to take um, in, in the upcoming season as, as BYU heads to the Big 12 and competition gets a lot stiffer um, this is the stage to do to do that all right, Mitch, stay warm out there and look forward to a good broadcast uh, with, with some great reports from the sideline. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. On the other side, Rhett Lashley, the head coach of the SMU Mustangs. You'll hear my conversation with him. That's next. That's next on Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cooper Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Ben Bagley. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. We're getting you ready for BYU and SMU in the New Mexico Bowl. Earlier this week, I talked to the head coach of the Mustangs, Rhett Lashley. I began the conversation with Coach Lashley, asking what his reaction was when it was announced his team was heading to the New Mexico Bowl to face BYU. Yeah, well, we were really excited to be playing a, you know, a national brand like BYU. We think BYU and SMU, there's a lot of history there for both programs, not to mention the, the 1980 Holiday Bowl. So, um, and then also, you know, excited to be traveling. Our guys wanted to, to go have a good bowl experience and then, then quickly realized that we're playing BYU and I got so much respect for the program and, and what, what they've been able to build there. So we knew we got our hands full. You look at that the history of between BYU and SMU. A lot of that history is ancient history uh, as far as BYU and SMU college goes. But how how does that carry over? Like you were you weren't ever here. I wasn't here. Kalani wasn't here. But there's still that history. How much does that play into a game like this? Well, it's not going to play into the results of the outcome. You know, Kalani's got a great team, and uh, we're going to have to play really well. And like you said, none of these kids at all were even alive in 1980 for the Holiday Bowl, and, and half the staffs weren't. But um, I do think it's fun. It's good for fans. It's good for college football. And, again, you got two national brands like SMU and, and BYU that have won championships. And uh, whether it's ancient or not, it doesn't really matter. It happened. And, and that game in particular, you know, it's one of the top five bowl games of all time by most – people's opinions so uh, I just think it adds to the excitement uh, for the game and you know we've educated our guys on it because they do know who Craig James and Eric Dickerson were and Lance McElhaney those guys are around practice here all the time and so uh, to see what they did before is is important to what we're trying to do moving forward. You talk about two proud programs in, in both BYU and SMU finishing the season at seven and five apiece now a lot of coaches don't go into a season saying seven and five is the goal that we're shooting for, but both teams coming off. I mean, both teams ended the season on a high note for the most part. Where would you say your program's at right now mentally going into the bowl game? You know, I think we're in a good place. Um, you know, one thing that uh, when I came back and took over that our seniors and our players really was important to them is that we finished well, finished better. And um, yeah, we wanted to win our conference. Uh, we didn't do that. We played the hardest schedule we've had here in over a decade, uh, especially early in the year. So we got behind at two and three, uh, you know, lost a few games. We felt like we could have won, lost to some teams like lost by a touchdown to TCU, who's obviously really good. Um, but our guys battled and, you know, we still finished fourth in our league. Uh, we were five and three in the league. It's only the second time since joining the league. We won five or more games in the league. Uh, we went three and one in November. We haven't won three games in November since 2009 as a program. And to finish five and two in those last seven games, finishing was a big part of what we wanted to do. And so we felt like we did that. Uh, we came up short of the goal of winning our league. 
Um, but uh, I feel like we we got a good foundation. We're heading in the right direction. Bowl prep's always interesting because there's a lot of different things going on. I know coaches love to have the extra practices to 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 progress the young guys on their team or the inexperienced guys. Other guys are looking at it like, well, I, maybe it's time to move on to the transfer portal or even to the NFL draft. Both the BYU and SMU dealing with some of those uh, th- those kind of subplots right now going into this game. But as a coach, when you're dealing with all that, getting ready for a bowl, bowl how do you juggle your time and your attention and all the different things that are going on right now? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, fortunately, as coaches, we're, we're good at multitasking. That's what we do most of the time. I think bowl games are meant to be a reward. They always have been. I think they still are, and and maybe more now than ever. That's what they should be. It should be great for fans. It should be great for kids and teams to go play uh, matchups like this. And, um, you know, but the reality of it is it's not what it used to be where you get 15 extra practices like another spring ball for your young kids. That's just not the case. Um, you know, we both found out we were playing each other on a Sunday, 13 days from kickoff in the heart of this recruiting deal. Where So we're not having – we don't even have 15 days, much less 15 practices. And, you know, for – Probably seven or eight of those days, coaches have had to been on the road recruiting. So, um, you know, we're going to have a little bit more, maybe two or three practices more than a normal game week, and that's it. Um, but I think the good thing for both of us is, you know, it's only about two, a little over two weeks since the season ended, too. So hopefully it won't be too rusty. Um, so it's just different. You're not, you're now what your young guys may get to do is play in the bowl game, you know, because whether you have guys move on in the transfer portal or, or to the NFL or injuries. Um, that's where you may get some value out of it, but it's just changed. But uh, at the end of the day, it's still a reward and it should be a lot of fun. Both teams will be missing some key pieces uh, for this game on Saturday. How big of a hold does Rashidi Rice leave in you guys' game plan without without a thousand plus yard receiver? Well, he led the country in receiving for the regular season, you know, and, and he did it um, all but three games on a broken toe, which was pretty impressive. So, you know, it it uh, it leaves a big hole from production, obviously, and experience. And you know, he was one of our team captains and leaders, but he gave us everything he had. And uh, you know, we uh, I think his teammates are, are appreciative of him. I mean, he wanted to play, but it's just not what's best for him. It's just really not. You know, he can be healthy by the time the Senior Bowl and all that shows up. So it's right. And then losing uh, Jalen Thomas, our best all around offensive lineman. You know, he played the last two or three weeks injured. Went ahead and trying to get those guys healthy. So. Now, the good thing is we got some other guys at wideout that we think are good players that will help us next year. So to your point earlier, I mean, it's going to give them a chance to step up and play in a big game and a big moment and and see how they can pick up the slack for us. When you look at this BYU team on film, what jumps out to you? Well, they're really well coached. Um, Kalani does a great job. That's no shock if you just watch over the years and offensively explosive, you know, from quarterback to receiver to the O-line and all in between. Skill positions are good, but it starts with a great quarterback and just playing with tempo. And, you know, so you got a really explosive offense. And on defense, um, you see a team that is really, really well coached. They run hard to the football. They're physical, big, and do a really good job of keeping everything in front of them. You know, and nowadays in college football, you don't give up explosive plays. You usually get off the field or, or hold people to field goals. And I think that's what they're – especially the last four or five weeks of the season, that's been their um, – kind of their philosophy, and that's what Coach is trying to do, and they, and they do it well. You mentioned explosiveness. Both teams have the, have the opportunity to be explosive. You guys have put points on the board throughout the season. The projected over-under for this game is like 70-ish. Are, are we guaranteed to see a lot of fireworks on the scoreboard getting lit up? You know, who knows? I mean, that's obviously been the strength of both our teams this year. Um, so it wouldn't be shocking to anyone. But, 
you know, it's also bowl game. And a lot of times when two good offensives come together, people expect that and it doesn't always go that way. So uh, sometimes it's about matchups, how one side matches up against the other. It's going to be really cold. So you never know how offenses handle that either. So obviously BYU is more familiar with that than we are. So I, I don't know. I mean, obviously I hope we're explosive, but uh, it's going to be a great challenge for us to be. One last question before I let you go, Coach. The keys to uh, a, the game from your standpoint and your team's standpoint going into this game. Yeah, for us, it's kind of been our MO all year. I mean, look, offensively, uh, if we value the football um, for four quarters, we'll, we'll be able to find a way to get in a rhythm and get some things going. And then defensively, and we need to be balanced, you know. We're, we're a passing team, but we need to run the football effectively as well. Um, and then on defense, for us, it's about tackling in space. It's about not giving up those explosive touchdowns. When we don't do that, we're able to get off the field or hold people to field goals. But we got to tackle well, run to the football, and, and just not give up the big play. Well, thanks to Coach Lashley for taking some time this week as we get ready for BYU and SMU in the New Mexico Bowl. I'll have an update for you from the basketball courts for BYU men and women, plus a scoreboard update from around the NFL and the bowl games in college football. That's all coming up next when we get back to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Ben Bagley. It's the final segment of Cougar Pregame Live presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Just to get you up to date on some BYU hoop scores, the BYU women fell 67-58 to the 23rd-ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs to open up WCC play. Lauren Gustin led the Cougars with 20 points and 13 rebounds. And at the Marriott Center right now in a rivalry matchup with two minutes left in the first half, BYU's up 32-28 with Rudy Williams leading the Cougars with 12 points. That's going to wrap things up for Cougar Pregame Live. Coming up next, it's the Zions Bank Cougar Cougar pregame coaches show with Greg Rebell and Kalani Satake. You're listening to BYU football on the new ski and BYU sports network. It's time to preview today's matchup with head coach Kalani Satake. It's the Cougar pregame coaches show presented by Zions Bank. For big-time banking with a home team feel, Zions Bank is for you. The pregame coaches show is also brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Let's rejoin Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good evening, Cougar football fans. For the final time in 2022, BYU hits the gridiron. It's the New Mexico Bowl, pitting the 7-5 Cougars and the 7-5 Mustangs of Brigham Young University. It's their fourth all-time meeting, but the first in a quarter century. It's been 42 years since their only postseason get-together, the still legendary Miracle Bowl meeting in San Diego at the 1980 Holiday Bowl. BYU 3-0 against SMU, but the Cougars are the underdogs on this chilly night in the land of enchantment. My name is Greg Rubel. I'll have your play-by-play call tonight. I'm joined, as always, by the former BYU quarterback, the slinging, scrambling southpaw, Riley Nelson. Riley, bowl season has transformed from something traditional to something tumultuous. These days, the weeks between the end of the regular season and the start of the postseason are filled with player and coach departures, opt-outs and buyouts, and both BYU and SMU have teams that don't exactly look like they did 
even just three weeks ago. Uh, for both teams, the absences are impactful, and BYU arguably has been hit the hardest because they've been hit the most important position on the field. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of news cycles about our current uh, economic environment, and one of the things that I keep hearing is that volati- volatility, at least in financial markets, creates opportunity. Well, volatility as it relates to rosters and lineups on the football field create opportunity for other players. Of course, uh, if you're a BYU fan, you'd like your full contingent of all your week one starters, but that's just not the case. So tonight we have an, we have a opportunity for a bunch of perhaps new names, guys who may be getting some of their first reps, their first snaps. And, uh, I mean, if these players are worth their salt, which they're – Keep in mind, these are players that are Division One players who have uh, been able to make BYU's football team. They are going to be ones that are anxious and hungry to come out and prove themselves on the field. He is Riley Nelson. Coming up after our break, we'll hear from BYU head coach Kalani Sitake as the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues. For big-time banking with a home team feel, Zions Bank is for you. This is BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show continues. Once again, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. We are live inside University Stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico, a venue BYU used to visit with regularity. As a former colleague of the New Mexico Lobos and the WAC and Mountain West Conferences, BYU's last trip here came in BYU's last ever bowl game as a Mountain West Conference member. It was the 2010 New Mexico Bowl, a game that saw BYU defeat UTEP by a score of 52-24. to That game ushered in BYU's era of independence, an era that draws to a close on this very night. For BYU head coach Kalani Sitake, it's his sixth bowl game and the third that he will coach without the starting quarterback who ended the regular season as the starter. And in our pregame conversation brought to you by Zions Bank for big-time banking with a home team feel, Zions Bank is for you. The coach talks about breaking in a new QB in another bowl game. Yeah, I mean, that's not my favorite, but uh, we'll, we'll just have to go with it. And uh, I, I've been pleased with the way the guys practice. So, uh, you know, looking at, at Soljay, Nick, and, and Kate, I, I feel really good about all of them. So, uh, A-Rod's done a great job with the, with the game plan. Let's see how it works today. Someone's got to get the first snaps. Who do you plan to start at quarterback? Yeah, we'll probably start off with Soljay, uh, the, the first snaps. And then, um, you know, we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, we're, we're ready to play all three if we need to. Uh, but, you know, I'll kind of just kind of wait and see how how the game goes, you know, and, and also see how our, our, our run game goes and, and uh, you know, how we're doing as, as with the pass game. So all that being said, we want to put points on the board and we can, we're not afraid to use more than one quarterback. Looking at the top two guys, what are the specific skill sets of Soljay and Cade and how might they differ from one another? Well, I think it's a little bit difficult for Cade. He's overcoming some injury that he, he suffered uh, an ankle injury a few um, weeks ago. And so I think he's much better now than he has been, but uh, that kind of have factored into the competition but you know we feel good about where we're at with like I said those we feel good about all three of those guys and, and right now we feel Soljay's best one to take the first snaps but you know be ready just in case we play all three when the regular season ended Puka said he intended to play in the bowl game what is the situation today yeah we'll see if he if he wants to do the pregame warm-up and everything but it doesn't look good right now for his um for his health I know that he's got some things coming up in, in the near future and decisions to make but uh, looks like a no-go for Puka 
Back to Jaron for a second, who's not playing a quarterback today. How, how soon do you need to know on what he wants to do moving forward to help your offseason? I know this is more of a bowl game conversation, but yeah. how, how far in the future is that decision? I think the, the, the main thing is for him to get the right decision that he feels 100% comfortable with. And um, when he does that, then I think the time is right. I, I'm not going to uh, force him. I think the earlier the better for us, but he knows that. And I just want to make sure that he makes the right decision for him and his family and, and obviously for us. Okay, you mentioned uh, run game. Uh, no Pini today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lopini Katoa? Yeah, no Lopini. Uh, he's not ready to go, but feel good about Chris and feel good about Hinkley and what we saw from the from the last game. Also know that Miles and Mason could, could get in the mix as well. If you had the same kind of production from the Stanford game, would you take that right now? Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> and I'll take the W. So whatever it takes to win the game, that's what we're going to try to do. But I'm really excited about some of the guys that are going to get their opportunities tonight. Um, and then that's on all three phases. You know, we'll see some new bodies out there and when we'll rotate some guys that that will be this will be uh, a lot of their first time uh, you know tasting the the, the field and so uh, away we go let's go have some fun and, and see what we can get done is the smart thing to do to lean on the running backs with guys who have not taken snaps for you yet at quarterback though well I mean I, and the guys that haven't really thrown the ball you know I, I think uh, from what I've seen in practice I think they'll be fine I'm, I'm not worried about them throwing the ball I just want to make sure that uh, we put them in the best position for them to throw their best balls and and that's what we're going to focus on right now now, like I said, there's no tendency, so we can use all three in different different situations. Probably a little deeper at uh, D-line right now than at linebacker with mm-hmm. Keenan now leaving. Uh, so how, how do you feel you shape up uh, defensively? Yeah, I think de- I think defensively we'll be fine. I think the D-line will, will do well, and, and we got some guys that are healthy now. I'm, I'm, obviously, there's some guys that are still banged up, but uh, they're willing to just put it on the line and try to try to gut through it. But um, I feel good about all those guys, and, and we'll, we'll see how, how uh, you know, SMU can go with... Two tight end sets. They can go with four wideouts. So we'll see what they do and what personnel group we come with. But I, I feel good about some of the depth that we have in, in, on the defense. And um, you know, not a lot of experience in some depth, some some spots. But that's okay. There's, there's talent there. Now you're you're down a few guys, but uh, SMU uh, losing Rasheed Rice is a huge loss for them. And Dylan Goffney and other good receivers out. They're missing an alignment. Both teams kind of come into this trying to figure some things out personnel wise. Yeah, I think you said it right. Both teams got to figure it out, and that happens in bowl games sometimes. And, uh, and this bowl game is a pretty early one, so so not a lot of time to recover. Um, but I, I feel like they're going through some adjustments, or we we're going to get out there and try to try to create our identity on the field and in all three phases, and so will they. And we'll see who disrupts the most. But when it comes down to it, the fundamentals of the game will be the key. And, and, and uh, our on offense, taking care of the football, establishing an identity, whether it's running the ball or throwing the ball. We feel we got to trust our guys, and then on defense, is tackling well, and making sure that we uh, try to disrupt and try to. Get, get uh, confu- confuse the quarterback, and then special teams do your part. You know, get get big returns. Um, you know, cover 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 your kicks, and then I think we'll be fine. You trust five really good offensive linemen for BYU, uh, but Harris Lachance won't be one of them tonight, right? Yeah, Harris had a procedure done, and, and so this is gonna, keeping him out for this game. If the game would have been later, I think he would have been fine. But uh, we feel good about Joe Tukuafu in that spot, and then the other four. Uh, all those guys have a lot of experience. It's really just the, the next guys up, but uh, I think there's a lot of talent there too. And if we need to go that way, then then we trust them. Having finished the season the way it ended last year in Shreveport, flashing forward, how much does that feeling maybe help drive the guys forward to give their all-out effort today uh, against SMU? The feeling was already in the preparation. I thought last year the guys were um, disappointed that we didn't get to the bowl game that they wanted and and disappointed at the situation. But uh, I I like their mindset now and the preparation the last couple weeks. I've seen a sense of urgency, and there's a lot of fight in them, obviously.
hopefully they're a bit chippy with each other. But uh, and I think they're just really uh, excited to get to this game. The game's now here. You can, you can sense it from our players that they want to get on the field and, and hit somebody. Well, it's our final pregame conversation of the year. We've come to the end. Kalani, thank you for this conversation and all the others. Best of luck in this one. We'll talk to you postgame. Greg, you're the best in the business, and I'm glad to call you my friend. Go Cougs. Thanks, Kalani. All right, that is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. And this has been the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show, the NutraCost Cougar kickoff show, coming your way next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Kickoff is just around the corner. You're listening to the NutraCost Cougar kickoff show. NutraCost, the official supplement provider of BYU Athletics. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by Bailey's Moving. We move with you every step of the way since 1952. Also by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Let's head live to the Built Bar broadcast booth. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Hello, good evening once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside University Stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico. For the New Mexico Bowl, BYU and SMU, two teams looking for their eighth win of the season to end this season. This is the NutraCost Cougar Kickoff Show, presented by NutraCost, the official supplement provider of BYU Athletics. Greg Grubel, Riley Nelson with you in the broadcast booth. Former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens joining us from the sidelines and in the Zions Bank end zone for big-time banking with a home team feel. Zions Bank is for you. Our scoreboard host, Ben Bagley. Our booth engineers, Michael Wimmer and Barry Squires. Spotter, Sean Firmage. Coordinating producer, Terry South. Control board operators, Adam Woodall and Sean O'Neill. Our statisticians, Ralph Sokolowski, Rhett Putnam, and Paul Morrison. Our broadcast intern is Shiler Johnson. And you are tuned to us on the new skin. BYU Sports Network. Well, Riley, it's uh, tough to overstate just how shorthanded BYU is going to be here today. Quarterbacks who've never thrown a ball for BYU and haven't taken a snap in two years, they're in the play. Top wide receivers are out. BYU short on running backs, short on offensive linemen, short on tight ends. No Keenan Peely, no Peyton Wilgar, no Max Tooley, no D'Angelo Mandel. Defensive coaches and two of three coordinators are gone. Yes, SMU has a few key absences as well, but the Mustangs are missing far fewer pieces. This game has the potential to be one of two things. A master class in making do by BYU or a game in which BYU maybe doesn't have enough horses or enough ammunition to return fire. We, of course, hope it's the former instead of the latter because there are different ways to win a ball game. And we saw that just three weeks ago when BYU just ran the heck out of the ball and beat Stanford. I like that uh, lead-in to help our listeners and all of us out there as Cougar fans and Cougar Nation to acknowledge the reality of the situation for this BYU football program coming into the game. But the reality is crazier things have happened in athletics. And when you can... uh, you should cherish, as an old has-been, right, who's 10 years removed from the last time he was able to don a helmet here uh, for BYU, every opportunity to compete is precious. And I hope that Coach Sitake, along with the senior, not, not just seniors, but the leadership and veteran leadership on this team, have helped pass that on, who, even though they might not be the ones suiting up, have passed that on to the guys who are getting, in some cases, their first opportunity or maybe getting their first real opportunity after only getting, you know, tastes and morsels along the way. So, uh, come out, compete, you never know what can happen, do your job uh trust your teammate to do his and uh i mean 
42 years ago, uh, there was a miracle ball. Now the yeah. circumstances <laughs> were a little bit different. I think uh, if BYU, with how shorthanded they are today, were to pull one out, I think uh, Miracle Bowl, Bowl Jr. Uh, could be appropriate if BYU were able to architect a win here today. Yeah, different kind of miracle. We'll have more of the Nutracost Cougar kickoff show straight ahead. But before the break, we remind you to go to BigOtires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires, the team you trust. The Nutracost Cougar kickoff show continues after this, live from University Stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico, on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar Kickoff Show continues. Let's head back to the Built Bar Broadcast booth with Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU and SMU squaring off bottom of the hour here in the 2022 New Mexico Bowl. BYU's 40th bowl game all time spread over 20 different bowl organizations. The New Mexico Bowl is the seventh bowl game to which BYU's made a return visit. The Cougs are back in Albuquerque after 12 years away. Riley, we expect both Soljay Mayava and Cade Finnegan to get work in this game tonight. Soljay the starter. And as much as we anticipate a, a run-heavy attack from BYU, there will come times... When the quarterback has to make a play, like really make a play. And while we have no exposure to Soul J in true game environments, we did see what Kate Finnegan could do in an impressive cameo for Boise State against BYU two years ago. He will be the backup, though, to Soul J, who is the more mobile of the two tonight. Quarterback mobility is uh, it's the great eraser, right? It takes a lot of pressure out of the other ten positions on the field, to, especially the guys up front, to execute uh, perfectly. Uh, if a quarterback can have some escapability and keep his eyes downfield... And not even keep your eyes downfield, turn negative plays into even if they're modest positive plays or, of course, you know, the electric scramble around and find someone down the field for 40 yards. Um, we, I thought it was interesting to hear the coach Satake say that Finnegan is still hampered by an injury. So, you know, maybe if he's 100%, maybe you don't see Soljay. Either way, uh, this is an SMU defense that gives up 203 yards per game. But they know that. BYU knows that. I expect them to on see. The ground? Uh, sorry. Yeah. 203 yards per game on the ground. I skipped over that. They know that. BYU knows that. So I expect extra men in the box. I expect uh, uh, SMU to really force the quarterback to try and make plays eight versus eight man, eight and nine man boxes. If BYU can still run the ball versus that, awesome. I really like their chances here tonight. But as you just said, regardless, the quarterback's going to need to make a play, especially in football in 2022. And whether it's uh, Mayava or it's Finnegan out there, hopefully they're up to the challenge. Time for tonight's Hyatt Place Comfort Zone feature at Hyatt Place Provo. Your safety and comfort will always be our highest priority. And BYU is becoming increasingly comfortable on third downs. Yes, there have been some short yardage struggles and fourth downs remain an adventure, but uh, BYU's third down conversion percentage now ranks nationally in the top 25. On the flip side, BYU's top three third down converters will not be in uniform tonight. Jaron Hall, Buka Nakua, Lopini Katoa, Aaron Roderick will have to get comfortable himself in getting someone else the ball in big-time situations. Well, the good thing is you don't have a quarterback who's missing his trusted... You know, I think about my top three were Cody Hoffman, uh, J.D. Falsliff, and Jamal Williams, at least my senior year, and it would have been... I would have been really nervous without going into a game without those guys. But with a new quarterback, he doesn't have guys to miss. So uh, they've had to establish, you know, connections and strategies for third down. So in some ways, that's that's a good thing. You're, You're missing 
trusting those guys who have produced in that uh, high-pressure third-down situation, but it's not like you're uh, having a void of chemistry that needs to be filled. You're, you're bringing new players to the uh, on both sides, on both the, re- the the throwing and the receiving end. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm glad to hear that they're uh, doing well on third down. Uh, short-yarded situations still make me nervous. Hopefully Fessy and Roderick and the rest of the crew have come up with some creative things and we can see some fireworks and some excitement. Let's catch the tail end of our national anthem. Space here in town. A flyover to end our national anthem at the New Mexico Bowl. We are back with more of the New Tricost Cougar Kickoff Show live from University Stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico, right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Getting you geared up for game time. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now, back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU and SMU coming up in the New Mexico Bowl. I mentioned that uh, BYU is playing in its 40th bowl game. SMU has earned its 20th bowl bid, but is playing in its 18th bowl game. Where are the missing games? Well, both of SMU's bowl games in 2020 and 2021 canceled due to COVID. So, Riley, for a lot of these SMU players, today's game has been a long time in coming. Yet another reason to expect a productive Mustangs program to be primed and ready to roll tonight. Yeah, and it starts at the quarterback position where you got Mordecai, who's been, as you said, he's going for career records. And the guy, you know, uh, SMU Mustang fans haven't been able to see him in a bowl game. So this will be his first, despite uh, a long and very productive career at SMU, as he's announced. uh, He announced at the end of their regular season that he'll be trying his hand at the professional level. So. uh, you see that I, I've talked a lot about players getting an opportunity for the first time in a bowl game. To uh, that same dynamic is in play for the SMU Mustangs. So I expect tonight to be, if it goes as I think it's planned, I don't think we're going to see much defense. And uh, if BYU can keep pace, I think it'll be a great shootout to watch. Well, it's fair to say that uh, some bowl games are more desirable than others. Some bowl destinations more attractive than others. Me, I'm happy to be in Albuquerque or wherever BYU football takes me. But for many players, the allure of postseason play has in recent seasons at least uh, taken a backseat to to more self-interest and pragmatism and being careful and and many players look at bowl games now not as another chance to team up with their brothers to play a great team game one more time for their school but rather as a threat to their future earning potential. Uh, Riley, times have really changed in college athletics in a lot of ways, not all for the better. And in some ways, bowl season is a kind of casualty. It's not the whole thing, but you just sense that that, that you know uh, what, what a bowl used to mean maybe doesn't mean as much for some. That's true, and I'll say that we as fans, and I'll even put out there and say junkies, because as bad as this is, it's going to turn in great numbers. People are still going to tune in, and they're still going to watch the product despite the top-level athletes from both these programs with many of them. I'm missing from uh, from action here tonight. So uh, I, I've hear a lot of um, uh, perhaps lament or bemoaning of the quality of products. Yet we as Americans love our football. We continue to tune in. 
personally as a BYU fan, uh, I any chance, to, like you said, Greg, any chance you get to watch BYU football, no matter who's out there, the first, third, or fifth stringers, uh, I'll, I'll be there watching and, and cheering them on. Well, uh, what uh, should give a shot in the arm to college football's postseason processes is the expanded college football playoff starting in 2024. BYU will not only be competing for a Big 12 championship, but also a spot in a bigger bracket. This will be fun. It will be. And, uh, hey, now you, uh, from the kind of undefined wish and a prayer that was independence, now you have a mathematical path to victory. Now, we've seen and we saw our neighbors to the north kind of get some backdoor help, but that happens when you're in a conference and there's standings and who beat who and head-to-head and tiebreakers and all that. Sometimes you can even back your way into a championship and then once you're in that championship game, anything can happen. So to add those dynamics back into the competitive landscape for the BYU football program is something I am anxiously awaiting. Coming up, we'll head down to field level and hear from Mitchell Jurgens as the Nutricost Cougar Kickoff Show continues right after this, live from University Stadium on the campus of the University of New Mexico. It's the New Mexico Bowl on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Getting you geared up for game time. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now, back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU and SMU moments away here in Albuquerque. We're coming to you live from University Stadium on the campus of the University of New Mexico, the home of the Lobos, tonight welcoming the Cougars and Mustangs on the first full weekend of college football's postseason. Tonight's game draws to a close. BYU's era of independence. 12 seasons of going it alone. 155 games. 98 wins. A win tonight would be 99. More than 70 different opponents across 36 states. 55 games and 25 wins against P5 of foes. Riley, the Independence era was a sort of dress rehearsal for conference expansion, and now the Big 12 has come calling. And what the last 12 seasons have done are prepare the Cougars for the P5 battles ahead. I cannot wait for next season to get here. Neither can I, Greg, and I just, I'm just i going to preach caution to every BYU fan in my side. It is going to take time. Contrary to uh, the most optimistic fan base every offseason in the world, which is the BYU fan base, making the jump will be a serious undertaking, but uh, Coach Sitake and crew, along with his players, are up to the task, and I can't wait to see him get started. Down now to field level and former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch reporting from the Zions Bank end zone for big time banking with a home team feel Zions Bank is for you and Mitch one year ago you were trying to survive the wind and the rain in Shreveport Louisiana as BYU lost to UAB in the Independence Bowl and it was hard to find a silver lining on that gray day in the weeks and months that followed coaches and players alike talked about how disappointed they were in their performance that day well tonight the Kooks and try to make it right even if they are shorthanded yeah Greg there's such a difference in in my opinion to an eight and five record then a 7-6 and six record, and BYU has a chance to finish the season really strong on a four-game win streak and go 8-5. and five. Um, Having played in three bowl games, I-, I can attest also to the sting you feel after losing the bowl game and then having to go through the entire offseason on a loss. So I would expect this team will come out ready to get after it, no matter how depleted or shorthanded this team feels. Uh, with that said, on offense, my eyes will be on the quarterback position to see how they lead this team 
after a season in which Jaron Hall has pretty much played every meaningful snap on offense. Um, a true test, but w- what a stage to prove themselves here tonight. And on defense, um, also I'll be watching to see you know which leaders step up and help lead this side of the ball with the coaching absences that they have. So it'll be cold, uh, but a fun one here tonight, Greg. All right, thank you, Mitch. Coming up next, Riley's Ford keys to the game, starting lineups and the opening kick. This has been the Nutricost Cougar Kickoff Show, live from University Stadium in Albuquerque on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.